0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey, this is Jack Blades from Night Ranger, and you're listening to my good buddy, Steve Benz. Oh, man, he gives me the Benz on the blend. There's too many B's in this, but this is Jack Blades. Hey, keep rocking.
1: All right, welcome back to The Blend. My name is Steve Benz, broadcasting live from Chicago. We have a very, very special treat. He is a writer. He is a producer. Everybody knows who this guy is. He is always at the forefront of rock and roll. Let's welcome Neil Giraldi to the show. Neil, welcome aboard, my friend.
0: Hey, thanks, Steve. Happy to have happy. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Happy to be here.
1: <laughs> See, there are so many things going on. In your life right now this brand new holiday track we are playing this in heavy heavy rotation people love this song one december night tell me about how this came about
0: well i'm glad to hear that people liked it so it came about like this um well i'll give you a little backstory first um both of my daughters i was always hoping they would go into some other form of business so you know arts art has nothing to do with business to me if you're a creator at some point in your life, you're going to have to learn business, uh, administration. I'm really terrible at that. My mind kind of shuts down when, when, when after I create something. Thankfully, my wife is amazing at the administration and business mm-hmm. side, and she loves it, which is fantastic. So I was hoping my daughters would go to be, oh, I don't know, you know, attorneys, <laughs> I don't know, doctors, you
1: know. With- right. That's what we all hope for our kids, not to be anything okay. like us.
0: Yeah, because I I didn't want, I don't want them to suffer, you know, humiliation of, of, you know, people being mean or rude or crude to them because of who their parents are and things. But anyway, so Sundays were usually days where, you know, they would come to the house. They're 30 and 21 right now. Anyway, they're both living away from the house, which they have for years. So they would come to the house and we'd sit at the table and we'd talk and have good times. Now when they come over, we sit at the table. My youngest one, as soon as she gets there, she goes, Papa, can we go to the studio? You want to go in the studio? I want to go in the studio. Right now i got this idea. So anyway, after the last two years, two years have gone by, and Little Hannah, my youngest daughter, started writing songs. So she wrote a song. She goes, Papa, I want you to hear it. Tell me what you think. I played it. She played it. I listened. I said, you know what? That's, That's really good. I mean, really good. And then she goes, well, have a listen to that. i got another one coming tomorrow. The next day comes, I listen to it. It's even better than that. So the point is is that she becomes this phenomenal writer at such a young age. So I've been trying to make a uh, a full-length LP Christmas record for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm always too busy doing so many other things that getting around to it. But I didn't want it to be a Frosty the Snowman-type record. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I just wanted all original songs. I want to create and write songs that hopefully would be classics for a new generation so they can play those and you don't always have to hear the same songs. You know, new stuff. Like a like a person would want to hear an artist do, do new songs. So just like when White Christmas first came out and just like all the other songs that came out. So anyway I told my daughter, listen, I'm including all these people I'm writing songs with all these different people. Let's write one together. So she goes, Okay, Papa wrote this lyric. Let me know what you think. So I read the lyric. I went Yeah it's kinda cool. I didn't have a title for it yet. I was just I went so I got on the piano And I wrote this melody. And I started liking it. I said, you know what? This is kind of... This is actually really, really starting to become really good. So then I played it for Patricia. She heard it and says, wow, you know, this is kind of cool. What do you want to do with it? I said, well, I want you to sing this one because I think it's perfect for you. So she got on it. And I said, do what you want with it. So she changed some words, uh, wrote some new lines to it, added her brilliant voice, which turned it into a total phenomenon. And... um, and that's how the song got wrote. Now, and I didn't have a title for it. So I'm thinking, what am I going to call this? And my manager kept calling it all these terrible names. It's just not on purpose. <laughs> he just that's what thought of what it was called. That.
1: That's what managers do. I,
0: <laughs> I'm sorry?
1: That's what managers do. They always have bad names for everything.
0: Terrible. And he couldn't remember anything. Even when I told him the name of the song, keep, he kept getting it wrong. But anyway, <laughs> so the song starts by saying one December night, and it ends by saying one December night. So I said, We're going to call it one December night. So that's how we got the title. That's how we wrote the song. And I was just so happy to have to write a song with my daughter. It was the first song that we ever wrote together, her and I, and I thought that was really special. And having the wife involved, too, made it a whole Geraldo family, which I thought was fantastic. I even have her singing at the end. And uh, Hannah, and it's fantastic.
1: Now there's just one thing that went right past me. I'm sure everyone else heard it. First of all, that is just so cute that your daughter calls you Papa. That's very Sicilian, and I've got some Sicilian background, so I know all about Dad's being called Papa. Okay, that is just too cute.
0: <laughs> well, that's I've been Papa, Papa for every... There's two Papas, too, by the way. It's it's Papa, and it's like, uh-oh, and then there's Papa. So the one that Papa usually means, let's see, you need some money, right? you want to get, you know, that's that one. But Papa means... What's it? You know, and she's getting mad. You know, you got the two poppers.
1: Now, the other one that I caught was Patricia. Okay, your wife, Pat Benatar. Patricia, that one threw me off just a little bit, my friend.
0: Well, that's her name, Patricia. You know, and and we've been married for (laughs) so many years. I don't even know now, 34 years or something, whatever. So, you know, when we go on stage, this is what we always say. We've been together since day one. Mm -hmm. When we hit the stage, we were already a couple. So... We always refer to stage names as when we're on stage. That's really our name. But when we're off stage, she's Patricia Geraldo. That's yeah. right, who she is. Yeah. So, and I I never really called her Pat or Patty. It was always Patricia. I thought it was a beautiful name. I loved
1: that. See, that would throw me off to, to call call her Pat if I was married to her. What You understand that. Now, you have a nickname, Spider. How did that come about? So we get the Papa. We get the Patricia. Then Spider comes out of where?
0: Well... You know, one day I'm going to lie and make up a really cool and exotic story about this. But <laughs> the truth of the matter is, it's a really boring story. And what it came down to, in 1979, we just finished the Heat of the Night record. We went on the road. I think it was our second gig that we were doing. And we were in Virginia Beach. And we were walking down the street. And her and I, holding hands, we saw this place called Spider's Dinner Club. And it was spelled S-P-Y-D-E-R. And the colors were black and yellow. And I look and the Patricia at that point point says, you like black and yellow. That's your favorite colors, right? And I said, you know, I, I do like black and yellow. She goes, looks at it, looks at me, and she goes, "I'll call you Spider." So I said, "Okay." <laughs> so now, that's how it happens. But the reason why is is kind of appropriate is because I drive real fast. So we're going to the Spider, to so the race car performance. Got campaign, it. Hitter, the Spider with the crawly legs. So
1: I thought maybe, just maybe. Um, you guys came out when the police came out, about the same time. Now Sting was called Sting because he wore the black and the yellow himself, so I thought maybe there was some type of tie to that, but clearly, no. Oh no,
0: not at all. I had no idea that that was the reason. <laughs> I had no idea.
1: You know, and let's face it, I make stuff up, whatever it takes when you're on the show. You know, to see where it goes
0: i got to be more like you, Steve. I'm
1: telling you. You know, i got to fill in a lot of, you know, 20 hours a week of dead air. That's how it works. I got it. <laughs> so let's, let's go back. We'll talk a little bit more uh, of the track and the family love because, let's face it, I think it would be kind of difficult to work with my daughter or with my kids in the studio. So you know what? Let's go down that road. How was it in the studio with her? I would think if she's anything that we know about Pat that she would be pretty demanding in the studio. Would that be true? Well,
0: no, you're really misled on this completely. Uh, In the studio, Patricia isn't demanding at all. In fact, she's the total, complete opposite. That's the synergy that we have together. The synergy that we have that works in our relationship, which worked from day one, was in the studio, I'm the boss, it's my home. In the home, house, home, she's the boss, and that's her home, you see. So in the studio, always... I was kind of the person saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to try this. And I always listen to other people because I want everybody's opinion. But I'm very strong-willed. I knew what I wanted from day one. I know what I want a song to sound like. And it's just a thing that I have, the thing that I do, wrong or right. It's how I work. It's been successful. It's, I've made great records. I've made bad records. Yeah. It's just you get. Sometimes you hit the pitch and it goes over the fence. Sometimes you strike out. But that's just how it worked. So no. Patricia's never been demanding in the studio. Never.
1: So how was it directing your daughter in the studio then?
0: Easy easy as well. Um Hannah they like to use the word topliner now. And uh top liner is as a melody person writes melodies. Okay, so she considers herself a top liner. Now what she does is if if I were to write with her like she does with some other people, like you know, with one December night, I already wrote the melody by myself. But normally, what she do is, if somebody plays some chords, she'll sing a melody on top. Huh. And and she's so good, and she listens. She's so, um, oh, what's the right word? Hmm. Easiest is too simple of a word. But she's really relaxed. I mean, super super relaxed. Mm-hmm. She knows what she wants to, but wow, just listens. She pays attention and listens, and and it's very. I, I I'm shocked that it's that easy. To tell you the truth, I'm
1: shocked. Now, it, would you say that her musical ability is more like you or Patricia?
0: Me, because um, uh, only in she um, Patricia's voice is phenomenal it's yeah. phenomenal. I mean,
1: it, I've seen you guys 10 times and she has been dead on. You guys were just a killer killer act live.
0: Oh, she, she's phenomenal. I mean, that's it, a God-given uh, it's a gift from God. And and she uses it. And she she wor- works hard. She works so hard at that gift. That's the number one thing she does. She's also a great writer. We write great songs together. Mm-hmm. She 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 gets inside my head. I get inside her head. We we work really well together, but what Hannah does is more goes outside the lines more, and that's what I do. I I see how much I can uh, take something apart and put it back together again. The wife, she don't want anything to do with taking anything apart. She only wants to know what she's supposed to do, what she wants to, and then executes. Me, I'm kind of the, the walker on the ropes, the wing walker. I'm the guy that's Willing to take a chance
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, and and not afraid of failing, and then that's kind of the way Hana little Hannah, is as well.
1: Okay, now from hearing the song, correct me if I ro- If I'm wrong, I kind of think it's got this uh, bluesy backbeat to it. Am I wrong?
0: No, no, you're right. Uh, listen, my favorite groove—not my favorite groove, but one of the top five grooves and the top five swing feels of all time, is The Stroll to me. The Stroll to me is a super sexy dance. It's a super sexy tempo. I love it. It's phenomenal. And I wanted to write a Christmas song that had that Stroll feel. And it just so happened when I was doing the melody, writing the melody on piano, I had that kind of bluesy kind Mm -hmm. of changes going and feel. And it just, it was kind of the direction I thought the song would work best in, hmm. you know, and I wanted to crossbreed a few styles different in there. You know, that's why I played the slide and I wanted a little more, um, Oh, kind of, uh, Mississippi, a little more, you know, that Dobro type slide feel with the Salvation Army percussion, right. you know, the, you know, right. the street city percussion. Uh, one thing that you don't hear in that particular mix, and I, I will remix it a few times, and do different versions for people is I play the 12 string acoustic 12 acoustic 6 the slide I have my favorite shakers which is a coffee can full of rocks and tambourines <laughs> and all this other kind of stuff when you take the drums out and you take a few other couple of instruments out it creates a real salvation army type right street corner sound right and I wanted to achieve that it just so happened that when we went to do the mix, I wanted it more like a Wallace sound, more like a Spectre, Phil Spectre
1: type thing. And that would be normal for, for traditional radio stations to play it. So Correct, correct. That's why we, we hear it. I mean, I crank it uh, when we play it. it. I mean, it's dead on. It's it's one of my favorite holiday songs, so you can expect it to hear it every year for years and years now.
0: Well, I, I hope so. I hope so, yeah. We had a radio station, I think my manager said, they only will play songs that are classics. I said, first of all, for a song to be a classic, you got to play it. And if people like it enough, it'll become a classic, and hopefully people will put it in their houses and, and it'll make them feel good. And if it doesn't, it'll still ex- exist as a song, and that's, its song will has its own life, its own, own complete entity.
1: And look, if you were going to throw a Frosty the Snowman at me, I would not have played it. <laughs> no way. No way. And a great example of holiday music that's so different is Do They Know It's Christmas. There is the song that set the standard now. Well, well, thank you. So right there. It's thirty years later. So you can expect your song to be played for thirty years with that. That's kinda how I see it. I mean it's what we want to hear, you know, in this in this generation that, you know, when I drop vinyl of you guys, if anybody even remembers what vinyl is, that's what I heard. That's uh, as a teenager, that goes with me. That will go with me for the rest of my life. And on that point, who was your influence when you were coming up, when you were learning how to play guitar?
0: okay there's a, there's a lot of uh, elements to that. but going back to the last thing you said, there's a thing I try to do too is I don't try to dumb down the audience. right. I, I believe that you have to be risky. you got to be brave you got to challenge a listener. That's the reason why songs like Love is a Battlefield, We Belong, "Problems." those songs happen because I was willing to challenge the listener because I'm not dumbing down people. Right. I believe people want to have that. They want to hear new stuff. They want to be challenged. They want to not like it the first time they hear it. They want to love it after the fifth time they hear it. They, all those things are important. So anyway, I wanted to make that comment to you. Now, back to uh, what you said. Uh, well, a couple of things. One is my uncle was only a couple years older than me, I was young, he took me to see The Who when I was 12, I was influenced heavy with, you know, English, you know, British to British invasion, uh, you know, with Jeff Beck and the Yardbirds, I love the Yardbirds, especially, they're probably my favorite, well, The Who and the Yardbirds, and then, you know, obviously, you know, Jimmy Page, and you know, all those great bands and guitar players, but another thing happened, and this was interesting, and I just realized this the other day. I can't believe it. I'm going to be 60, and I finally realized what this was. I would get records at Christmas time from my uncle, and I would listen to them. But a lot of times, I and playing guitar, but I wouldn't learn the songs mm-hmm. on the guitar. I wouldn't play the songs. But what I would do is dissect the part, so I knew what the parts were. I'd hear inside a song, and I could pick out every single part of, say, the Beatles' White album of Beggar's Bankless. Of uh you know the who you know um, the kids are all right, whatever you, you just pick a, an album, so instead of picking up and trying to learn the songs and try to play rocky Raccoon or whatever right. these songs mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. I would dissect them, so even at that young age, I was more I was priming myself more as a producer and arranger and a writer than I was a guitar player. if that makes any sense,
1: oh, absolutely, you can tell if those were the bands, and if you were able to dissect that kind of music absolutely you were a god-given producer my god and the band to see the who at 12. are you kidding me i hike across the country to see the who at 18. <laughs> well
0: it changed my life you know what else happened is i i did the you know i'm writing a book too and a lot of these things will be in the book and they're much more lyrical and they're and they're tied into different stories and i mean, you know i obviously can't tell you all that but when when i went to see the who It it was so impressive to me that I wrote it for school. I had to write something, and I wrote, I had a girlfriend, and I wrote this essay on The Who, and I just was describing it as being how it changed my life, and that not only was the sound spectacular, but I could actually smell the tubes burning in the amplifiers, and that smell, along with the sound and the environment I was in, made me feel as though I couldn't be anything else but a musician. And I wrote this thing. And my girlfriend at the time, she read it, she goes, this is so embarrassing. How could you write this piece of shit? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I went, man, you feel so bad. I went, why would you be so mean to me? I can't believe you, did, you would say this. But, you know, of course, I didn't marry this girl, and I was so happy the The relationship broke up, you know, a couple years later, because the person that thinks like that is, wait, that ain't my girl. That ain't mine. So it was a really impressionable, uh, you know,
1: now, is it true when looking at all the bands that you've worked with and produced and all the artists out there, is that like The Who is a great example where four guys just got together and it was magical from the get go? Would you say that was true between you and Patricia? Or were there problems early on or things that you had to work out?
0: No, no, it, it, was, absolutely, it was absolutely magical for her and I. It was like every. there was nobody else in the room. We we shut down the whole uh, time that st- stood still. It's a cliche, but it really did. And her and I were the, from the moment I heard her sing, mm-hmm. from the moment she heard me play a chord, from the moment we made two individuals sound like one, we knew we had what we both were looking for. And the the thing, the beauty about this for people to understand and, and so they can incorporate that in their own lives is that. The beauty of having two separate souls connect and create something as one, there's nothing more beautiful than that. It's not narcissistic. It's, there's a beauty to uh, the sum of two parts. Mm-hmm. And nothing else sounds like that. No one else sounds like we do when we are together. It's almost like she reads, she knows where I'm going, I know where she's going. Tempo-wise, she, her phrasing always fits beautiful in what I'm playing. I'm always listening to her. She's always listening to me. And like I said, it was like no one else was in the room. It was us. That was it. And this is how we began, and it's still the same today.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, over the years that I've seen you guys, it's what I remember from the 80s and seeing your shows. I mean, she blew my doors out back then, and every time you played, the crowd went berserk, and that's still true now. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how the band... Maybe it's it's just that time period where bands like you, and and there's some other bands, uh, you you two, we could certainly pick them out, that have lasted the test of time. Is that why both of you have lasted this long?
0: Well, like simple as this. I mean, you've heard this term, too, where a woman can make you a better man and a man can make a woman a better woman. It makes each other better than individually we are as a single. That's that's the difference, and that's, that's why the test of time. Listen, there's another line I use a lot, and what is real is never threatened. And I tell that to my daughter all the time. If she's writing with someone or if somebody promises her something or if you're a little insecure about something, all I tell her is what's real is never threatened. If you can't write a song with this person, a person makes you feel bad, and you've already written a great song, you will continue to write great songs because it's real. If it's fake and you were in the room and you didn't write anything and your name's there as a writer, yeah. that's not real, you're threatened, you see? so
1: I'm with you on that. You know, that, that, those, that's my commentary on a lot of the remixes. You know, some of the DJs just kind of remix anything. And I just say that's software. Anyone could do software. Yeah. Because even me, I could uh, do, well, no, I can't do software. I'm kind of like you. So there, there are things I just cannot do and will not do. And finance and all that kind of analytic stuff, I want nothing to do with. No, I don't
0: want to screw it up. I, you know, I the why. i just think <laughs> pass it on to Patricia. You, just, you take care of it, Chief. I super hyper-focused on that, so it's, it's beautiful. Now, you
1: are, are you a tech guy? Are you walking around with a smartphone and you've got all the gizmos and apps on it?
0: Uh, half and half. I'm kind of like a hybrid, sort of. Um, I do have some of the apps I mix I between, you know, analog and digital. Uh, I, I, I like to be relevant and also historic. You know, I just like to balance. I, try to, I like to be balanced, basically. I try to
1: be balanced. Now, with the new technology that's out there, what I'm getting at is I, I'm sure you have a home studio of some sort. Has technology kind of helped your music, or do you think it kind of hinders some of the music?
0: Well, it helps. It, it helps it. It only hinders it because it may give you too many options. So just like a painter, you got to know when to put the brush down. And there's just so many, so many options that sometimes you can get lost. And the the key to not getting lost is speed and efficiency. Mm-hmm. If you have mm-hmm. uh, one hour to do something, put yourself at one hour, whatever you get after that one hour, be happy. So you remain, you know, focused and straight. That's a problem. I think people, there's too, way too many options for people yeah. and then they, they second guess and yeah. then, then you get into trouble. But, you know, having a safety net in the digital world is comforting. If you know you have a safety net, you can actually do more things. Mm-hmm. Not that you'll change much, but mm-hmm. you just will be able to do more things.
1: So on the telephone, we've got Neil Geraldo. he has got a brand new track out, a holiday track written with his daughter. You have a new CD, so you're going to do an entire CD of holiday music next year. Is that what the expected date is?
0: Correct. Yeah, I've been writing it for probably about two or three years. Uh, all original songs. I, I wrote a, a bunch of songs with my good friend Scott Kepner, who was in the Dictators and the Del Lords. Him and I got together and wrote some very cool stuff that I like. I got together with my old pal John Wait. Mm-hmm. He came up with a, a brilliant, brilliant thing. I, I love it. It's going to be a fantastic song. And the idea of this Christmas holiday record is to have all original songs. Mm-hmm. And it's really supposed to represent uh, the winter, December, January, uh, Christmas, holidays, Hanukkah, New Year's Eve, where, where people's lives, they, they try to rebuild their, their life. Uh, there's relationships that, that people find love, lose love, uh, get back to love again, um, you know, the hardships, the joy, all those feelings that people have during the, that holiday period. Mm-hmm. I, I want to sort of uh, transcend and make that into music to, so people can listen to that and feel it. Like the blues, when mm-hmm. you're down, blues mm-hmm. makes it feel good. Well, that's sort of what this is about. They're not all depressing songs at all. There's humor in it. I just wanted to really make a, um, a record. Where I can have a lot of my friends and people I don't know sing on, play on, put them in unique positions. Uh, I have a good friend. I can't tell you who it is that with a very with a slash metal band that's going to be doing um, a, a New Orleans style song, which will sound totally different. You'll never hear this person sing like this again. You'll realize he's got a great voice when normally you will hear, you know that thing. <laughs> give them a chance to do something they don't normally do make it interesting challenge the listener make people happy and you know just have
1: fun now you mentioned one of your buddies john wade he's been on the show a couple of times here love his music one of the superstars with the voices out there recently he did a remix cd of all of his tracks would you do that with your library? Go back into the studio and maybe re-record them?
0: I would do uh, maybe uh, slightly different versions or acoustic versions of them. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, duplicate them. I wouldn't go after doing that. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily, at this particular time, I wouldn't go in with the masters and remix what I already did. I, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you, you capture a magic when you record it. You capture the magic when you mix it. It becomes... Um, uh, it becomes a, a, a piece of a product, not a product. It becomes a moment in time that's stamped, and I don't really want to mess with it, but I can reinvent it. Mm-hmm. I don't mind reinventing. But here's what I got that, that I don't know you're aware of, but I lived my life through audio my whole time, my whole life. Okay. So I recorded everything, not with a video camera, but with audio, with cassettes, with DAP machines, with you know, whatever I could find to record. So I got the original beginning of most of the songs that I've written. I have it starting off singing whatever I'm singing, whatever I'm playing, and you can slowly see how it turns into the song. So I have all of that on, and I may release it. Somewhere.
1: Wow, that would be worth hearing. Mm-hmm. If you think of uh, who did pieces of that, Townsend um, yeah. did, did oh, yeah. something like that, which were spectacular CDs. Yeah, Just to...
0: is one of the, he's probably not my favorite. He's the person I try to emulate the most. I, I, you know, he's a brilliant writer. You know, he can play multitude of instruments. You know, he writes a lot of stuff. That, you know, he's a creator. He uses his guitar as a tool. Mm-hmm. He's not interested in, you know, playing stuff that, for whatever reason, he wants the player to become the greatest guitar player in the world. He just wants to use it to write song, have a sound, and that's what I like to do. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I kind of I wanted to emulate him. You know, since he was the first person i have seen live, you know, he's a rocker and I wanted to do that too, but I wanted to create, I wanted to be a writer. To me, that was more important. So I have stuff which is very cool where I have a, a Laker game on the background and my little Honet in the background <laughs> saying, Papa, Papa, let's, let's do this or let's do that. I go, wait, hold on, hana. There <laughs> I go and you can hear the song. And it's pretty cool stuff.
1: That is priceless. You got to have some of that. And one of my assistants just looked at me and asked, "What the hell is a cassette or a DAT?" Oh boy! <laughs> right?
0: Well, right. let's throw another one at her. How about an eight-track? <laughs> oh
1: my God! No, that'll really get them freaking out. So they're going to start googling everything that we're talking about now.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, but that would be that would be great. I would love to see that project come to life. Me personally.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it'd be kind of fun. I, I do have it. I have. You know, but here's what I need. I need, I need my manager to leave me alone for about six months. Right. I need to be, uh, I need to have really good food brought into the studio. Right. I need to have a cot in there. I need to sleep in there, and I just need to not leave because I have to listen to sixty to ninety minute DAT machines yeah. tape to get to the parts. It's not like you can find them like that. You right. have to listen
1: right. to the whole thing. Oh, and the memories, the memories that it would bring back. And I'm sure that's going to be in your book too. So I'm looking forward to your book. Do you have a release or an idea when the book might come out?
0: I'm hoping for next year, about well earlier, like November of next year. In which case, I I plan to have the record, uh, the holiday record, completed by that time as well. I I have I have most of the songs recorded. I'm not recorded, written. Um, But what I don't have is I don't have all the performances yet. So, I just kind of want to do it as a kind block of time. I was going to do it this year, but my mother in law got very ill and, mm-hmm. and kind of directed us into you know direction towards the family and I really couldn't do all the work I wanted to do on it so, but next year's going to be fine
1: I kinda just an idea off the off the top of my head you you I'm sure you've seen the program live from daryl's house yes, that would be great too to see the release of that music in that type of environment and see you guys play it live I would love to see that
0: yeah that's I mean that's a possibility too. that type of thing I mean um,
1: to get all the talent together would probably be hard but seeing you guys live is just epic
0: yeah you know live is easy with in this situation doing uh with a lot of individual people it's it's getting it's coordinating people in town it's it's a lot more work that i don't want people to have that
1: you don't want to do you let someone else do it
0: yeah i don't want to do it you tell me what time they're coming in i'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be right
1: i didn't mean to put stuff on your plate but heck come up with these great ideas and then just give it off to somebody exactly
0: right yeah you know,
1: that's what we're both guilty of we are you know we're probably more alike than uh, we probably realize
0: understood
1: absolutely i just walk in the studio sometimes i've got my pen i've got one question and here we go yeah i understand that's the way it should be that's the way it should be we just go wherever you go wherever you go i'll follow
0: that's right you know i go into the studio sometimes i'm afraid to um sometimes to do something in there for, for this reason. I'll go in and mm, say I get, uh, I rewire something or I got a new piece of gear or whatever. As soon as I put that piece of gear in and I start playing something through it, mm-hmm. instead of focusing on just trying to see what that piece of gear would do, I start writing a song. And once I do that, I forget about what the piece of gear is supposed to do or what I'm trying to learn from it. <laughs> so I can never just walk in and, and just say, I'm going to go in as a tech. Because it always leads to that. Just like it always, a demo always leads to a master, when right. you don't always want it to be the master. You want it to be the demo because you don't want to care. But but when you don't care, some of your best work comes out, and it's a, just a mindful of Right,
1: and then 72 hours, you come out of the studio, and your family goes, where have you been?
0: Yeah, yeah, well, I got Patricia on, on these tapes all the time, going, Spider, Spider, cut the dinner already. Stop <laughs> with that. Stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so I got to ask, okay, you being a Sicilian, is she a good cook?
0: Oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, she's a, she's a great cook. She never cooked before we met, and we met. Uh, she only made one thing, lasagna, but that's the reason why I married her, because she made lasagna, and I it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the reasons. But she never cooked at all uh, until we met, and then cause she never really ate. So I started telling her, well, you know, I love to eat, and I love to cook as well. And I cook. We both cook. So um, we just started doing it together, and, you know, she's, she's She's ahead of the game on that, though.
1: She, now, have your, your daughters picked up the same traits? Do they like to cook? I mean, being Sicilian or Italian, it's, it's a very big thing in the family.
0: Yeah, my oldest daughter does, man. She's in a phenomenal baker. Oh, my God. She just rocks at that. Jeez, she's, a, she's unbelievable, in fact.
1: So So, what type of work does your oldest do, if you don't mind me asking? You've got Hana, who's, kind of, who's in the music business. What, did your, what area did you, your older daughter go
0: Well, she started in music, and that didn't work out, and that was cool, because she's really, uh, she creates, too, but she does more art stuff. She does uh, a lot of jewelry stuff, really phenomenal jewelry stuff. Most of the stuff I wear, usually, is that she did, made for me. Um, She does that, uh, drawing, uh, fashion. Uh, She's an executor. She, She, a lot of ways, she's like the wife, but, you know... She finds one thing she wants to do, and she executes it perfectly. Wow. That's kind of what she does, and she's brilliant. And she's such a sweet kid. They're both fantastic.
1: Now, are you a tough father when they bring people home that they're dating or want to date?
0: Oh no, I'm not tough. I usually carry my a gun with me. <laughs> uh, they're pretty. They're pretty good. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. You know, the problem if I have the wife there, if I say anything, she just goes, "Spider, be nice." But. I am nice. I may want to ask them a question like where are you gonna go? How's that where are you gonna be? Will you keep your phone on? Are you gonna be home soon? But you know, they're twenty one and thirty, you know. Look,
1: we are not as fathers, we are not asking too much, are we? To say, Could you leave your phone on?
0: Yeah, just text. If I text you, can you just get back to me? Can you have can you keep a charge at least more than, you know, ten minutes?
1: And I'm not buying the excuse um, my uh, my phone is dead I've got no charge I am not buying that one ever
0: No I don't like that That just doesn't make any sense to me But you know what They're kids They're your kids and you, you know you gotta cut them slack Yeah I try to do the best I can Yeah
1: my kids are too much like me And that's probably what the rub is
0: well, that's going to happen, too. So, But speaking of that, I think I have to go get the last couple presents for my oldest daughter.
1: Fantastic. Neil, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on. We're going to have you back on with the book and the and the release of the new CD, my friend. Uh,
0: so now, you know, when we come to Chicago, make sure you get a hold of us so I can come down and hang.
1: Oh, absolutely, my friend. Thank you so much for being on The Blend, and have a happy holiday.
0: Same to you. Thanks, Steve. Have a great one, buddy.
1: Here is the new holiday single from Neil and Patricia Benatar.